Everybody got a Bible? You got a pen? Got a handout? Got everything you need? Okay. Well, let's do it. Let's get right into it. We're gonna uh, we're gonna pick up our study in Philippians. We're gonna move to the next section of verses here. Uh, I'm gonna pray for us though, and then we're gonna look at a an email that I that I received a couple weeks ago. Well, I didn't receive the email, but an email that was shown to me a couple weeks ago that'll get us launched into what I think will be a cool and uh, interesting story time this morning. So let's pray for God to have our attention and our hearts and all that. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this group again, and thank you for your word. God, thank you for your spirit that leads us and um, teaches us. And this morning, would you apply your word to our heart and to our lives and uh, just just what we need to do in obeying and in following after you, uh, being conformed to you, Lord, would you do that work? Would you do that in us, uh, in our hearts this morning? And God, as a result of you just having your way, God, be glorified because we only have uh, thanksgiving and rejoicing and praise to you because of how good you are and how good you've been to us and how good you'll be to us even this morning. Um, and help us to see what you're doing in our lives and in the lives of others. And um, Yeah, God, just have your way with this time this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so Brock, if you would pull up this slide here. Um, this is an email that was shown to me by a police officer uh, at a local university. I don't want to put names out there just in case this is like some kind of violation or something. It says this, this letter serves to formally lodge a complaint regarding the aggressive and harassing activities of Baptist missionaries, specifically from Collegiate Impact Incorporated on the certain college campus. These activities have disrupted the peaceful environment of the university and constituted harassment due to religion, a direct violation of the certain university's harassment policy. Even more concerning, this seems to be some kind of thinly veiled effort to recruit and fundraise for that church via the use of a shell company and aggressive street team tactics. Cool. The missionaries have been approaching students and passers-by, engaging them in unsolicited and forceful religious discussions uh, and pressuring them to adopt their religious beliefs. The aggressive nature of these interactions has created an uncomfortable, hostile, and psychologically distressing environment for members of the certain university community. Hmm. Interesting. Now, I don't know who that church group is, nor do I know what those interactions actually were, but Here's an example, a real-life example, here within a mile of our church of people who are trying to engage in the gospel ministry and getting some resistance, getting into some trouble about it, right? They're trying to preach the gospel, trying to preach Christ, and now the police know about them and have their name and are supposed to be watching for them. Does that make sense? Kind of bizarre. So what we're going to see here in Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 18 is that Paul, the Apostle Paul, is kind of experiencing something similar, right? And we're going to see some attitudes that he has, and we're going to see his experience that led him to the point that he is writing from here in Philippians, where he's imprisoned. He's been detained. And he's going to talk a little bit about that, and we're going to read a little bit about it. So in verse 12 through 13, he says this, 
But I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. The things that had happened to him were getting the gospel moving forward, right? And he's, he's like, man, my bonds in Christ, my imprisonment, while I, like, I'm in Christ and Christ is letting this happen, it's getting the gospel into the palace and into all these other places. So the, the title of the message, if you missed it, was A Life for the Furtherance of the Gospel. And what we're going to talk about is having this perspective. If you can just lock in for a moment, okay? We're going to, have, we're going to talk about this perspective of seeing events in our life, circumstances in our life, and how they affect the gospel. Events happen and they affect your life, right? They affect you. They make you feel a certain way when you get in trouble at school, when you lie to your parents and you get grounded or your phone taken, or maybe when you get a job and you get a raise at the job, or maybe you meet a new classmate or a friend at school. What do we naturally think? We think, oh, this is cool. I feel good about this. But I want to I try to see that we can set our eyes on something a little different. Events in our lives happening and seeing how they affect the gospel going forward. Does that make sense? I'm going to need you to be real nerdy today, okay? Because I'm going to read a lot to you, and I'm going to talk a lot to you, and I need you to just engage with me, and I think you can. I think you can. I think you can handle it. So let's talk about this. He says, the things which happened unto me. What things is he referring to? We're going to talk about that. A quick story of Paul's reference here, the bonds, his imprisonment. So first of all, Paul goes to Jerusalem. He goes to Jerusalem, where he's going to get in trouble. He's going to stir up some trouble. And we look at that here at Acts chapter 21, verses 10 through 14. So if you have a Bible, you might want to just flip here with me because they're not going to be up on the screen and they're not on your handout. Acts chapter 21, verse 10 through 14. If you turn there in your Bible, the other places we're going to look are in Acts as well. So you should be able to just get there quickly. But Acts 21, verse 10 through 14, it says this. And as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. And when he was come unto us, he took Paul's girdle and bound his hands and feet and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. He's like, whoever's girdle this is, he's going to get locked up. And then they're going to, and then the, the Jews are going to lock him up and then they're going to give him to the Gentiles. And when we heard these things, both we and they of that place besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. Paul was intent to go to Jerusalem. And then this guy's like, hey, if you go to Jerusalem, you're going to get locked up. And so all of his friends are like, don't go to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, what mean ye to weep and to break mine heart? For I am ready not to be bound only, but also to, to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And when he would not be persuaded, we ceased, saying, the will of the Lord be done. So he's like, I'm going to Jerusalem because I need to go preach the gospel. They're like, if you go to Jerusalem to preach the gospel, you're going to get bound up. Don't go. Please don't go. And they're weeping and they're just begging him. Don't go. Don't do this. And he's like, what are you guys weeping for? I'm ready to be bound up. In fact, I'm ready to die. It doesn't matter if the gospel is going further. Does that make sense? Okay, so what happens? Well, Acts chapter 24, a couple of chapters later. 
verses 10 to 15, we're going to see Paul ministering. He ministers to Governor Felix. So this is just one of the governmental officials, the governor, Felix. It says, Then Paul, after that the governor had beckoned unto him to speak, answered. So he's been in prison, he's been bound, and now he's got to go talk to this governor. Paul says, For as much as I know that thou hast been of many years a judge unto this nation, I do the more cheerfully answer for myself, because that thou mayest understand that there are yet but twelve days since I went up to Jerusalem for to worship. And they neither found me in the temple disputing with any man, neither raising up the people, neither in the synagogues nor in the city, neither can they prove the things whereof they now accuse me. Okay, so he's like, hey, government official, like, bro, I've been arrested, and they can't even prove what they've accused me of, but I'm bound. This is not right. But here's what he does. He says, but this I confess unto thee, that after the way... This is Christian, the Christian way, the way of Jesus Christ. After the way which they call heresy, so worship I the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets, and have hope toward God, which they themselves also allow, that there shall be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and unjust. He's like, yeah, but you know, they're accusing me of following Jesus. And yeah, I do that. Yeah, I do that. Okay, let's see him minister to him. Down in verse 22, it says, And when Felix heard these things, having more perfect knowledge of that way. So he and Paul are talking about how Jesus is in the Old Testament, and Jesus was prophesied. And he's like, hey, this Jesus is the one who came to earth, and lived on earth, and died, and was buried, and rose again. It was him. So he's preaching the gospel. And... and Having more perfect knowledge of that way, Felix, he deferred them and said, When Lysias, the chief captain, shall come down, I will know the uttermost of your matter. And he commanded a centurion to keep Paul and to let him have liberty, and that he should forbid none of his acquaintance uh, to minister or come unto him. And after certain days, when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. So this governor's like, Hey, bring Paul back. I want to hear more about Jesus. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix, this governor, trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. He hoped also that money should have been given him of Paul, that he might lose him. Wherefore, he sent for him the oftener and communed with him. Okay, so what we see there is Paul, yes, did get locked up. And then Paul, as he was given opportunity to stand before this government to be accused, he just, what does he do? Does he defend himself? Does he say, hey, this isn't right. This isn't fair. Well, kind of. He says, hey, the things that they've accused me of are not true. But let me just tell you some things that I do believe are true. And he lays out the gospel. Right? He lays out the gospel. Okay, what else does he do? It It continues to kind of progress. Paul preaches to King Agrippa and Festus, the new governor. So in Acts chapter 26, verses 1 through 6, it says, Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Then Paul stretched forth the hand and answered for himself, I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day before thee, touching all the things whereof I am accused of the Jews. So he's got to justify, he's got to defend himself again, if it, as it were. He says, Especially because I know thee to be expert in all customs and questions which are among the Jews. Wherefore I beseech thee to hear me patiently. 
My manner of life from my youth, which was at the first among mine own nation at Jerusalem, know all the Jews, which knew me from the beginning, if they would testify that after the most straightest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee, and now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers. Okay, so what he's saying is, hey, come on, bro. You know me. You know all the, the religion, the customs, all the, like I was the religious guy. And then he gonna, he's going to go in and start telling his testimony of where he came from and what he was doing and, and how he was there when Stephen, raise your hand if you know who Stephen is. Who's Stephen? Who is it? Stephen was, he was, what happened to him? He was the first martyr. He was the first one to stand before these Jews and profess Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior and lay out the gospel. And then they murdered him. They killed him because he was preaching the gospel. Because the gospel was offensive to these Jews. Why? Because the Jews did what? They were the ones who killed Jesus. They were the ones who refused him. And guess who was there while Stephen was being martyred? It was Paul. So he's telling King Agrippa, he's like, dude, I've been the one who is fighting against this way. And then he goes in to say, but, but Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. I've been converted. I've been saved. I've been born again. I've been forgiven of my sin. I've been changed. I've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. I'm a new creature. I'm not that religious jerk, that, that murderer. Verse 28, Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day. So all these people are hearing the gospel. We're both almost and altogether such as I am, except these bonds. And when he had thus spoken, the king rose up, and the governor, and Bernice, and they that sat with them. And when they were gone aside, they talked between themselves, saying, This man doeth nothing worthy of death or of bonds. Then said Agrippa unto Festus, This man might have been set at liberty if he had not appealed unto Caesar. So in all this process, Paul is being put before government officials. He's getting called to the principal's office time and time. And then at one point he's like, Hey, I'm a Roman citizen as well, so you better put me like, you better give me due process. And they're like, This guy's innocent. Man, if he wouldn't have asked for due process, we would have let him go. Okay, so now he's got to travel to yet another trial. While he's being detained. Is this making sense so far? I know it can be maybe a little boring. But there's application coming. Okay, so Paul. What has he done? Well, Paul went to Jerusalem. Paul ministers to Governor Felix. Paul preaches to King Agrippa and Festus, the new government. And then Paul preaches to Jewish leaders as he awaits for his trial with Caesar. He's got to meet with the, the ruler, the Roman ruler here. And, uh, and while we're not going to look at that specifically, we're going to look at the process up to that point. In Acts chapter 28, verse 16, it is in Acts chapter 28 that Paul wrote the book of uh, Philippians, which is kind of cool. But here's what happens in verse 16. It says, And when we came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard, but Paul was suffered to dwell by himself with the soldier that kept him. And it came to pass that after three days, uh, Paul called the chief of the Jews together. And when they were come together, he said unto them, okay, so he's, he's in a holding cell, essentially. He's got some liberty. And he's calling some Jewish leaders. He's calling people, hey, come on, let's talk. 
Here's what he said unto them. Men and brethren, though I have committed nothing against the people or customs of our fathers, yet was I delivered prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans, who when they had examined me would have let me go because there was no cause of death in me. But when the Jews spake against it, I was constrained to appeal unto Caesar. Not that I had ought to accuse my nation of, for this cause, wherefore, have I called for you to see you and to speak with you, because that for the hope of Israel I am bound with this chain. And they said unto him, We neither received letters out of Judea concerning thee, neither any of the brethren that came concerning the sect. Uh, sorry. Neither any of the brethren that came showed or spake any harm of thee, but we desire to hear of thee what thou thinkest. For as concerning the sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. And when they had appointed him a day, there came many to him into his lodging, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets from morning till evening. And some believed the things which were spoken, and some believed not. So while he's being held imprisoned, right? You understand, he's locked up. He's got chains on him. And he's inviting these Jewish leaders. He's like, hey, let's talk. Because it seems as if I'm trying to accuse you guys, but I'm not accusing you. I'm just, I have to, I just kind of got stuck in this pickle. And so let me just tell you, because they're like, well, we don't know what you're talking about, but, but we want to hear about this Jesus character you're talking about. Because it's like blowing the world up. So why don't you just let us know what you got going on. So what does he do? He starts preaching and testifying. And then what happens? Some believed the things which were spoken and some believed not. People are getting saved. Verse 29, And when he had said these words, the Jews departed and had great reasoning among themselves. And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came in unto him preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding him. I've read a lot of verses. You awake still? If you're awake, you made it. Still take a breath. Good? Okay. Those are the things that happened to Paul. And he's saying, all those things that happened to me, it just furthered the gospel. He was detained. He was imprisoned. He was not hanging out with his friends late at night. Doing the things that we enjoy doing. He wasn't going to fun youth ministry counselor meetings like the adults do. I mean, we eat like food together and we sit around and laugh and talk. We enjoy going to work. You get to go to school where you meet friends. You get to come to church where we get to encourage each other, eat donuts. He was locked up. He had every reason to be discontent. I mean, he could have just been like, this sucks. He could have, the, the, the book of Philippians could have been him saying, guys, this really sucks. Can you like send me some more food and stuff? Like, I'm tired of eating this, you know, like, bread and water. Like, give me a cheeseburger or something. He could, have said, he could have said, like, if you could just come and, like, hang out with me, can you guys just, like, be with me? I feel lonely. Can you just, like, please be with me? All along the way, Paul 
was ministering to governmental officials, to guards, to religious leaders, to government employees, to sailors, to prisoners, and everything in between. His imprisonment was a sucky thing, but a thing that God mightily used to get the gospel into more and more ears and therefore more and more hearts. So here's some questions for, for, for us to consider for application. Do we view the circumstances of our life as how they affect the gospel? Put your nerd hat on. What in the world did I just ask you? Do we view the circumstances of our life as how they affect the gospel? My parents are struggling. That affects you. That sucks. That is terrible. That is awful. That is sin. That is bad. And we all, everyone in this room acknowledges it. And in fact, many of us, hey, whatever sucky situation you're in, we're with you. And we want you to feel that. And we want you to know that. And we try as best we can to express that. I'd spend every minute with you if I could. Any, any available moments that Kylie and I have, you are... Please be in my house. Be with me. Eat a meal. Be comforted by our fellowship. Please. Do the same with the Medlins and the Death Rose. Like we want to invest in your heart and in your life. And maybe your situation doesn't suck. Maybe your family's great. Maybe you got a lot of good things going on. The same invitation is to you. Okay, we want to be with you. But, may I just... Open a lane for you to find some rejoicing and some joy. If you can view your situation in how it affects the gospel, how is God going to use this mess to open doors for the gospel to go forward? And if you can engage in that, I know it'd be, it feels impossible. I know that. I know it feels impossible. If you can do that, there's rejoicing. There's joy. There's joy in engaging in the gospel ministry. There is a fulfillment, a satisfaction that you can only find in being obedient to God. But you got to look for it. God, what doors are you opening through this chaos? Do we, another question is, do we consider what God may want to do through our lives to get the gospel to someone else? Your situation may feel like hell. Maybe ask yourself, so what does God want to to do? What's God doing in this? How is God going to use me? Ask Him. Ask Him. Ask Him to open, open a door. I believe there is one. Paul's example here teaches us a, few, a couple of applications here. Number one, the good and the bad in life should fall out to the gospel going forth. The good and the bad should fall out to the gospel going forth. So if a good thing happens to you, hey, you get a raise, praise the Lord. That means you get to give more. To the gospel going forth. Hey, you got a new job that gives you more flexibility. Praise the Lord. That should open your capacity for more ministry, for more gospel going forth. Hey, you got an A on your test. Praise the Lord. That gives you a better testimony in your class. People will take you seriously. By the way, if you get F's in your class, there's a good chance people don't want to listen to you. 
just saying. Like, you're probably smart. I'm not saying you're not smart. I'm just saying, if you get an F, like, and you want to, like, talk to me about something important that, like, affects my life, think about it. Think about it. Think about it. You're failing English, and you want to tell me what some book says about eternal life? No thanks. Not interested. How do the good things that happen in your life, what you've got going on, what you've got going for you, how does that affect the gospel? Think about it. And then the bad, how does that affect the gospel? Does that make sense? Tracking with me? Second application here. The choice is ours whether we let the bad defeat us or we let it give us an opportunity to shed light into a dark situation. Okay, so let's say my dog dies. That's terrible. I mean, that sucks. Dog dies. Man. That can defeat you. You should probably mourn that. You should probably grieve that. Something bad happened. You should probably grieve at the level of your loss. Right? So if my cat dies, I'm not so bothered. I might, I might rejoice. I don't know. But if your dog who is beloved to you, if it dies, well, that's a big deal. Well, you should grieve that. That should be sad. There will be a dark moment, right? That's good and right. Okay. But a week from then, if it's still dark and gloom and misery... I think we've missed the opportunity to let light shine into a dark situation. My heart hurts. I'm feeling bad. But I'm going to turn to God. And I'm just going to let Him comfort me. And I'm going to let Him shine His light into my life. And His love. And His his comfort. And then all of a sudden I'm comforted when I should be sad. And people around me are like, I thought that person's life was falling apart. I thought their dog just died. Why are they so like cool? Why aren't they turning to the things that we turn to to comfort us? You can have a different testimony if you want. The choice is yours. Philippians chapter 1 verse 14 says, And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So check this out. I, I sent this message. Didn't mean to use the questionable emoji there, but I sent this message to the MBT leadership team group chat just to give them the campus uh, Bible studies a heads up. Like, hey, there's people coming for, like, Christians, so heads up. And this is what one of that, uh, that Bible study leaders said. Pray we stay under the radar. We ain't slowing down. Oh, great. People who are trying to win souls are getting in trouble. Well, let's go. Bring it on. We're going to try to lay low, but we're going after it. Not, not, oh man, maybe we should like start doing the Bible studies off campus. Like, you know, like maybe so we don't get in trouble. Maybe we should like, you know, just like recede a little bit. Not at all. Kind of cool, right? I think it's kind of cool. Here's your application. One's boldness in speaking the gospel emboldens another's. So be bold. Do you understand? This is, what the, this is what my pastors tell me. They told me this over the years. They say, all it takes is one student to catch fire for the Lord. 
That's all it takes. Just pray for one kid to catch on fire for the Lord. And then fire is going to catch all around. If one of us, if one of you would just say, I don't care what anybody thinks about me. Wow, I'm free from what people care about me. That's amazing. I'm going to just go preach the gospel. Wow, you would feel so much better. And then all of a sudden, people are going to see you in this room. And they're like, that person doesn't care what I think about them, nor do they care what other people think about them. And what is that? Oh, they're talking about how they preach the gospel? I think I could do that. And then, and then there's two, and then there's three, and then there's seven, and then there's 12, and then there's 20 kids all on fire for the Lord, going into their schools with a purpose. Like, it's often said that when you go to school, your school feels like what? It feels like prison. Your school feels like prison. Paul was actually in prison. And Paul's perspective was, man, the gospel's going forth. We go to school and we're like, this is, this is prison. I just want to go here and then go home. Okay. You can. Or you can go there. Like even if you're online. If you're online, you still have interactions with people. Like there are other people doing online school. And I bet you a million dollars if you ask the teacher, hey, can I do like some communicating with the other people in this class? Oh, it feels like prison. Man, praise the Lord. This is prison. Wow, I get to feel kind of like Paul. Wow. I can preach the gospel. I can let the gospel go further in my situation. Verse 15 through 18 here. He says in 15, Some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds. So there were men preaching Christ in a deceitful or even vain way to put pressure on Paul's trials. Right? You know, maybe practically. There's kids in your schools who uh, maybe don't believe right. Right? Maybe they... Maybe they're charismatic. Maybe they're uh, legalistic. Maybe they're whatever. Maybe they use a different version of the Bible. Okay, if they're preaching Christ, sweet. Let's do it. Jump in with them. I bet you another million dollars that they're not confident about what they believe. I bet you they're not. And I bet you if you joined that, that conversation, if you were emboldened by their boldness, I bet you, you could speak truth into the situation because you know your Bible. I don't talk about this a lot because it feels like kind of proud and arrogant. But you know your Bible. Listen to me. You know your Bible better than the vast majority of Americans. You say, I don't really know my Bible. Yeah, I know. (laughs) That's okay. You know the Bible very well compared to the vast majority of Americans because... A lot of churches don't just walk through Scripture. They don't preach the Bible. They're preaching messages that make you feel good. They're preaching messages to try to, to, to cater and coddle your bad feelings. Whereas the Bible has answers for your feelings and has answers for your solutions. And you've been listening to them and you've been hearing them in main service and in this class and in Kit Town. You know more Bible than you, maybe than you think. And so you go into these classrooms with these classmates who are preaching Christ Man, jump in. Insert Bible into that. 
Verse 17 to 18 says, But the other of love, there are others that were preaching it of love, knowing that I am set for... He's imprisoned. And what is he in, in defense for? It's not himself. I think, that's, I think he did that on purpose. Knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. Here it is. And I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. Here's the conclusion of the matter. The conclusion of the matter is that we, like Paul, can find our joy in fulfilling the mission we've been given, which is furthering the gospel. If, if you've got a hard, if you're in a hard spot, Raise your hand if you're in a hard spot. You feel like, yeah, there's things in my life that are hard. They're difficult. I feel them. They hurt. They make me mad. They make me sad. They make me confused. Raise your hand. Just be real bold. Let's stop hiding. you got a situation that you're like, this is not ideal. Okay, those of you who are honest enough to say, yeah, that's me. There's rejoicing. If you buy in to obedience... There's rejoicing if you buy into obedience. And it's going to take time. Does that make sense? It's going to take time till you find that rejoicing. So you're going to leave this place and you're like, well, my situation still sucks. I know. I know your situation sucks. And I hate it. I hate it maybe as much, maybe even, I don't think I hate it more than you, but I hate it a whole lot. And I want to do everything in my power to help. But I know this, that your heart can rejoice and be happy. I can't fix your situation. But I I can give you the answer to rejoicing. And to get to furthering the gospel, let's just make it step by step, very simple and practical. Here in a moment, Aubrey's going to come up and we're going to sing a song together. And you'll sing with us. And it's in that moment, you can decide in your heart, I'm going to sing these words. I'm going to sing to God. I'm going to cry out to God. Instead of singing, I'm going to sit here and I'm just going to pray to God to give me rejoicing, to use me, to make me obedient. You can decide. You can, here's a word, Consecrate yourself to the mission. You could say, I want to be a soldier. I want to be a servant. And maybe for the first time, maybe maybe you need to say for the first time, I need to be saved. I can't imagine going through a, a a really, really, really awful life not saved. I can't imagine it. Because this is the plea that I would give to you. I love God so much because He's so good. Dude, He's so good. He takes care of of my needs in ways I can't explain. And I'm I'm not deserving 
of the blessing and the grace and the provision and the comfort that He gives me. I'm not deserving. Maybe you think the pastor or the preacher is always this goody two-shoes and self-righteous, and I I, want to admit to you, I'm a piece of crap. (laughs) I'm twice as sinful as you are. I'm twice as old as you are. And I believe that. I legitimately believe that. I'm just as weak and... But God is so, so good. Dude, He comforts me. He answers my prayer. He's with me when things suck. He's in my corner. He's got my back. When there's spiritual attack in my life, when there's trial in my life, when I'm going through it, when I'm hurting, when I'm feeling lonely, when I'm feeling bad about myself, you know who's always there? Jesus is always there. When I turn to Him and I just say, Jesus, I, I need You. I'm sad. I'm mad. I'm hurting. He's there. And if you're not saved, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you're so miserable. You're so sad. And you're so lonely. And you're so angry and you're only going to get angrier and you're only going to get sadder and you're only going to feel lonelier and you're only going to feel more of a a hole in your life and then you're going to begin this is the scary part you're going to begin to get a job and have some means to fill that hole just a bunch of garbage man but just a bunch of excuses with a bunch of vanity with a bunch of Fake, going to burn substitutes for the love and the joy that God offers you this morning. Please be saved. Please accept Christ. Because if you don't, you're, you're so miserable. And it's only going to get worse. Please, this morning, be baptized. Show the church I'm all in. I'm not holding anything back. I'm moving forward. Please, this morning, engage in the gospel ministry. Say I'm done just being an attender and I'm going to be a preacher. Each one of you can can be that. Enlist today in the Lord's army. It's the best thing in the world. And I'll tell you this. In two, three, four, five years from now, You'll come back and you'll be in those youth ministry leader meetings. And we'll be sitting at the same table. I was thinking this morning, I was like, you know, we're begging God for kids to catch on fire for the Lord. And, you know, the medals have been in high school ministry for a long time and the death rose in us. And we sometimes we feel kind of like, man, we need more help. There's a lot going on. We need more help. And. Back up is showing up. The troops are coming. Dude, I tell you what, man, there's nothing better to me than to see you guys say, I want to take this seriously and I want to come back and I want to minister with you. Not just be ministered to. We want to minister to you. Let us minister to you. Don't be so proud. Open up. Let us love on you. Be friends with you. 
But then if you'll say, I'm, co- I'm in, you'll come back with us, and dude, I don't think there's anything better. I don't know if, I don't know if the kids feel that way. They came back and they were sitting at the table with us, and I think they saw it. They're gonna, they're literally gonna come minister to you guys at fall retreat. They're gonna have a judgment seat of Christ, where they're gonna look at you and they're gonna say, "You remember that?" And you're gonna be like, "What?" Or you're gonna be like, "Yep, I remember it." God used you in my life. That's what I'm asking Him for. Does that make sense? Troops are coming. Will you join them? We're taking souls. We're starting Bible studies. We're taking territory. Kaya, they're taking territory. They're, get, they're stirring up trouble. Let's do it. Let's be bold. If you want to start a Bible study in your school, let's do it. I got a new job. I'm available to you now. Let's do it. I'll leave all the... I have to go to pastor meetings. They're really boring. A bunch of just adults sitting around like planning and stuff. Let me get out of that, please. Let's start a Bible study and let's stir up trouble in your schools. Not literally, but like, you know what I mean? Let's go win some souls together. I don't know how you're supposed to respond to all this, but let's sing a song. And if you need to pray and you need to pray with one of the adults, come on. If you know the Lord's like, hey, He's talking about you, you need to open up. Come on, just... Maybe the adults can... I don't know. Maybe the adults can stand in the back. And then you can just slip to the back and grab an adult and pray with them. That's what you probably need to do. Just pray. Does that make sense? Alright, come on up, Aubrey. We're going we're gonna to sing a song. I want to pray for you guys here.